This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Before we get this episode started, I'd like to warn people that there are elements of it that may be triggering, namely birth trauma, loss and grief, and custody battles for children. So be careful and take care of yourself. Hello and welcome to the Dad Vengers podcast, sponsored by Tonka, because being tough is all about getting out and playing. My name's Nigel Clark and I'm founder of Dad Vengers and host of this wonderful parenting podcast where we explore different aspects of parenting and hone in on the dad point of view. But it's not just about the dads. Mums, grandparents, carers, soon-to-be parents, we want you involved in the conversation too. So wherever you're listening to this podcast, please, please, please subscribe. It's so important because we can only continue to have important conversations like this if we can prove you're out there listening. And subscribing is the best way to let us know. So let's talk, let's laugh, let's share the things we find difficult and become the type of dads we really want to be. Today's guest has built two successful businesses in his lifetime. Uh, the first he sadly lost in the pandemic, but the second is absolutely smashing it right now. He's a proud single dad and is here to today to tell us all about his parenting experience. I'm so pleased to welcome Abdul Bangura to the podcast. <laughs> Buddy, how thank you? you so much for being here. I'm good, man. How are you? I'm super excited. Super, super excited. Dude, I'm really excited to, to talk about your story. And it's not going to be an easy chat. I know that because you've been through quite a bit. But the fact that you have come here to like tell us this story, I'm just so happy for. Yeah, for sure. And um, I'm ready to go. I'm ready. So, dude, um, where do you live? Where are you based? Are you a Londoner? South End on Sea. Sunny South End in Essex. Sunny South End. Living <laughs> the dream, baby. Living the dream. Literally, literally just by the seaside, born and raised here. So yeah, that's where I'm based. So what was life like growing up for you? Um, brothers, sisters, mum, dad? Yeah, so um, fortunately I've got all four of them in my life. Um, mum, dad, uh, mum and dad separated. I've got a younger brother, two older sisters. Um, yeah, we've always been quite a strong family unit. So you said your parents split up. What age were you when your parents split up? Were you young? Were you older? Oh, no, I was young. I must have been about, I don't know, maybe like five or something. Right. So you, it, was, it was what you, you knew from maybe sort of your earliest memories. Yeah, for sure. Was that difficult? Was, it, was, was your parents' relationship harmonious? Was it a, was it a troubled relationship? Um, it's all I knew, I guess. But I, I suppose at the time... Um, my my mum and dad can sit in a room now and there's no trouble. 
So I'd say it was probably as good as it could be for the circumstances. I don't think anyone's parents that have, that have separated are going to be in perfect harmony. Obviously, there's arguments and there's always like discrepancies and <laughs> just how it goes. But for me, I don't really think it affected me like that because it's kind of all I knew, if I'm honest with you. So it was all, all you knew and your brothers and sisters, you all dealt with it like, oh, this is family life. And it, it was kind of a, a nice, smooth trajectory. Yeah. So my youngest brother, or I say youngest, my brother, uh, we have the same mum and dad. Uh, my sister, we have the same dad. And then my other sister, we have the same dad. So... Um, Blended family. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. The ultimate in blended. I think that coming from a blended family, you learn of ways to to deal with family situations um, more, let's say. I don't want to say better, but you, you, you have so many more things that arise. It, it means that when you are dealing with situations yourself, there's a maturity that comes with it. Would you say yeah. that's fair? Yeah, and I say you have to have an understanding. Like you really don't have a choice other than to understand other people's points of view, other people's um, opinions, maybe, maybe not opinions, but other people's morals. Not everyone has the same morals as you, right? So um, especially different cultures as well. Um, so that definitely comes into play. That some culture has a massive part to do with anything, I guess. So understanding different people's cultures as well as like their views and religion and whatever their beliefs are, you, you have to understand it. And I feel like that growing up has made me understand, uh, I'd say humans a lot more now, not even just people, like humans in general. Yeah, I mean, that's a big thing. We talk about kindness a lot these days and understanding people's different human situation. And I think um, that's a, a good way to start in life and a good way to start being with people. And for, sure. for you to have that, you're in a good place. Now, having the the childhood that you did, growing up the way you did, did you want kids? Yeah, of course, because I'd, I've grown up around uh, family. I've still got cousins as well, aunties. I think my dad is one of maybe 17 sisters or something like that, something ridiculous. Wow, like, dude, that's like, a big crazy. family. Like, yeah, my granddad went to work. Like, <laughs> he, was, he was a serious guy. But, that, like, again, that comes down to culture as well. It's like, I'd, I'd love to have a big fat, obviously, provide, obviously, if I could support them, obviously. But I mean, like, yeah, like, when I was younger, that's, that was my normal. So, as you get older, them kind of same um, patterns stay with you, I guess. Yeah, they do. So I'm going to jump now to you finding out that you were going to be a dad. How old were you? And what did you feel at the time? At the time, I was 29. I was, I would say, in my prime. But when I say in my prime, I mean um, physically, mentally, financially, Everything. I was at my, at the time, at my peak um, as a man. 
my business was booming. I was the fittest I'd ever been. I just felt like I was on top of the world. I just, I was just in a state of mind that I was the ultimate alpha male. Like that's, that is how I felt at that time. Um, I remember I did a, um, a health retreat in Ibiza. So we organized a health retreat, took loads of people to Ibiza. And it was out there when I found out. And when I found out, I was not on it. I was like, huh? What do you mean? Eh-eh, no. Like, wow. not right now. I'd, I'll be honest. I didn't want... I wanted children, but just not at that moment in time. Wasn't the right um, time. Was not the right time. And to be fair, it wasn't even planned like that. So with me and my child's mother, like, look, we're all adults, right? She's an adult. I'm an adult. We didn't really have no commitment to each other. We weren't really, we wasn't in a relationship. We was just two adults doing what adults do, right? Um, so she was successful in her own right. So she was busy. She had a, uh, a child-minded business and used to do that kids' summer camps and stuff. So, and she already had two children who were old. Uh, at the time, they were 10 and 17. So the basis of our, uh, I'd say, relationship was just like, um, how can I put it? Was it was it also not what you envisaged as your your start to to parenthood? Definitely not. De to be fair, uh, yeah, it definitely was not part of it. So when I found out, I was pissed. Yeah, like I was proper pissed. Did you think that this was gonna ruin? your business, everything. You know. I just thought, not not now. And to be fair, we it wasn't that sort of party. Like, I didn't envision a future with her in that circumstance, if that, right. respectfully. So it was like, oh, okay. Well, I don't have a baby. I'm glad you, I'm glad you're, you're talking so honestly about this because I'm sure that there is a very high percentage of fathers that have felt exactly the way you felt and they have, and if you ask them now, they might not be as honest about, about the way they felt. For sure. And I, um, one thing I'm not going to do on this podcast or any, or any platform is, is fabricate the truth, right? This is exactly how I felt. At the time, I felt like my whole world come crashing down. I was like, no, I can't have a child now. This is long. Like, I was being selfish because I was at the height of my uh, success, as it were, right? So why would I want to do anything to hinder that? Also, what, you have to, what I then had to take accountability for was, and this is something that she actually said to me was, if you have sex without a condom, what do you think is going to happen? Yeah. Yeah. Like, how can you answer that? <laughs> like, it is so, true. We're all adults. We know what the consequences are. So I have to take accountability. It's 50-50. Things work both ways. It, it happened. She's conceived. It is what it is. So where did you, where did you say you were going to go from there? What, what arrangement did you come to? Did you decide, okay, look, 
you do what you're gonna do, I'm out. Did you decide, look, I'm gonna be there, but this isn't my, my thing? Where, where did you decide to go from that moment? Oh, no, I wasn't on it. I was like, listen, you do your thing. I am not on it. I don't want a child. Like, yeah. I'm trying to convince you to not have it. And you're just like, well, no, I'm not going through it. You can't tell me what I can do with my body. Oh, fair enough. So I did like the, I'd say now the immature thing, um, which was just like, F that. All right, cool, do your thing. Good luck. I'll just see you when I see you and whatever. We'll figure it out. So I did that for about three months. I did that for a few, like a little while. Like we didn't talk. I didn't have really anything to do with the first few months. Hold my hands up. Cool. Well, I want to highlight right here that there are people, you're saying you got you did this for about three months. There are people that stay in that place. But what 100%. we're gonna what we're gonna hear now is how you moved past that place and to and onwards and onwards to where you are now. And this is the the meat of the story that I want people to hear from you. So we're we're in this three month period where you you've signed off. You're like you do you. I'm gonna do me. I'm out. After three months, what happened? What happened was she had gestational diabetes. And she had to go to the pharmacy to get something, some medication or something, right? At the pharmacy, she saw my dad. Now, my dad, did he know it? Yeah, my dad knew at the time. He knew, he knew. My dad knew at the time. And she was like, oh, like, you're right. And he was like, oh, how are you getting on, whatever? She's like, oh, like, we're not really speaking at the moment. And he was like, what? He was like, why? She was like, oh, obviously, blah, 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 blah. He doesn't want it. And I'm just going to go ahead with it. And it is what it is. And he was like, all right. So then that day, my dad spoke to me. He, he was like, leave it with me. <laughs> He's like, yeah, he was he like, said, all right, cool. He said, all right, cool. But what he was saying was, leave it with me. Just leave it with me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, my dad come to see me and he was like, son, how's things? Like, how, how's she doing? I said, oh, she's all right, I guess. Like, and I was honest with him. I was like, look, dad, I'm not on it. I'm, I'm, this isn't for me. Like, business is booming. Like, I haven't got time for this right now. And he was like, look, let me tell you something, right? He's like, I have four children. I have uh, three um, women that have bared my children, three separate women, right? I have four kids. He's like, I could have left you guys years ago and lived a fantastic life on my own with four, like, and just, and just done whatever I wanted to do. You guys would have been provided for, but I could have left. But I didn't. So what the f makes you think that you can leave your child. He's like, you are mad. Go and support your kid in it. Are you, like, are you smoking? And I was just like, right, you know what? He's right, you know? Like, he's actually right. Like, I'm fortunate enough in my life to still have my father in my life and play a big part. And I think without him saying that to me, I would have been one of them dads. Definitely. So what happened was I come with my towel between my legs. I said, look, I hold my hands up. It was a big shock for me. Like, I want to be here to support and to co-parent the best way that I can. What do you need? And she was like, all right, cool. All right, this is what I need. This, that, and the other, boom, 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 and that was it. And, and that sounds like it was almost an overnight turnaround. Do you know what? It was like, maybe about two days. I actually had to, yeah, I had to think about it properly. I was like, do you know what? I don't want my children in 10 years to not respect me. Probably less than that, right? So to just be like, 
you know them questions that you, I, I don't know I hear different people's um, stories and stuff and different situations and their children don't respect them yeah like I respect my dad to the fullest you see the way that I'm talking about my dad now my daughter's going to talk to me like talk about me like this it is the epitome of parenthood I think like your children understanding who you are and what you've done for them so for my dad to say that to me I was like right you know what I need to fix up like I'm actually in the high I'm actually in the best position to be able to support not be selfish and just go, oh, I want to go to Dubai and I want to go to LA and I want to go to all these nice places on my own. But I don't do that with my, with, with my child or like, you know what I'm saying? So for me, I just fixed up, if I'm honest with you. Now, this is highlighting for me, like the epitome of like what Dad Vengers is about, because you, you have changed your perspective on something because of the respect and the teachings of your father, the teachings of your dad. 100%. That shows the importance of dads showing up, being there and, you know, guiding their children. And your, the respect you have for your dad and the guidance he gave you led you to now be a better parent. And that's, for me, that's the epitome of what we're trying to do here at Dad Ventures. So hearing this story, which is still gonna get, you know, it's gonna go to next levels, it, it makes me smile and it makes me hopeful for people listening to this podcast right now. For sure, for sure. Because, you know, it's, it's what we're here for, it's what, it's, because you, you yourself now are an advocate for fathers and when people hear what, what you're going to tell them in a minute, wow. So you turned around. Yeah. You've said, I'm going to be here. I'm going to co-parent. And the next, because uh, let me do my maths quickly. The next six months, you're waiting for your child to arrive. Yeah. So um, fortunately enough for me, she had already had two children. So she's been through this whole rigmarole before, right? Yeah. She, she, um, <laughs> she's, she's not young. She's uh, late 30. She understands. It's not me, her first rodeo. Right? Not her first rodeo. So that actually puts me in a much better position because it's like she understands how we are. Like it's, it is what it was. So... Uh, yeah, I just did what I had to do. If she needed anything, I'd grab it. No, just just the little things that I don't know, like the supportive things that you do as as an expectant fa father. Yeah, so um, it was very amicable. Um, if she needed anything, like, like I said, I was there. Um, and then things started to get a bit weird. Right, things started to get a bit strange. So I noticed that. She was always short of breath. I was like, why are you always short of breath? And this is a woman that was in the gym every day, vegan, like runs after kids all day. She's got a child minders in her house. So she's relatively fit. Um, she's always out. Why are you always out of breath? And I used to make, used to make jokes about it. Like, what's going on? You can't walk to the stairs. Like, what's going on kind of thing? And, uh, but it was coming quite apparent. And one day, she felt quite ill. She's like, no, I need to go to the hospital, you know? She rang me, she's like, I need to go to the hospital. I was like, what's wrong? She's like, nah, like, I feel really ill. I was like, all right. 
I'm driving to the hospital. So I've gone, picked her up, driven into the hospital, and they said, uh, all right, yeah, we'll just keep her in. Uh, she might have a chest infection or something. And I was like, all right. So this was uh, the end of March, 2020. Now, at that time, coronavirus had just kind of like, it was starting to sweep across from Asia. Like it, it was on the news and it was becoming apparent this, I think it might have even been lockdown. Or, it was just around the before. first lockdown. Yeah, yeah just, just, just like, before. Literally like, before the first lockdown. Yeah, a couple of days before, maybe a week. It was around that time. But anyway, I'm in the hospital. It's been a day. She's like, look, they moved me to a ward, but uh, I'm on like the coronavirus ward. And I was like, oh, all right. You'll come out tomorrow anyway. I'm about it. I'm not really thinking nothing of it. But she's starting to deteriorate, right? And her loss of breath is becoming more apparent. So as she's talking, she's talking like this. Can't get her words up. So went to the hospital and they're like, look, we think that she's got coronavirus. So we're like, all right, cool. Like, what's the procedure? And they're like, look, we have to wait for these results to come back. It's going to take a few days. We're going to have to keep her in. This, that, and the third. But obviously she's got her phone and stuff and she's like, look, I'm, I'm, I'm not in a bad, I'm not in a good way, you know? Like I'm, I'm feeling it. Like if anything, she was scared because of the baby as well. Of course. And Another day went by, obviously I tried to take her food and stuff and tried to visit. At that time, no one could go, you couldn't go and visit people in the hospital. Like you could go there to the door, but they wouldn't let you in because it was like a red zone. And yeah, things just started to just, within a couple of days, just went from, oh, she might have a chest infection to, we have to have an emergency cesarean to take the baby out. Because the pressure that is on her lungs uh, we need to relieve the pressure that's on our lungs, basically. Right. Cool. Because she's breathing for two people here. There's a lot of oxygen that needs to go to the baby as well. Yeah. This is not a good situation. So she went in on the Wednesday. On the Saturday, the emergency caesarean took place. And my child was born. Great news. Before she was born, I think on the Friday evening, they put her into an induced coma. Because they said that like that things are getting really bad. She, she's deteriorating. So our child was born, but she never got to see her. During her pregnancy, she said, I don't want to know what the sex of our child is. I don't want to know. I just, it just surprised me. It is what it is. Cool. And I'll come back to that. So the child was born. I was not allowed in the theatre room when my child was born because of Corona, this whole red zone thing. So when my child was born, I didn't get to see her until about three hours afterwards, literally, and I was kicking off. Um, eventually got to see her, well, it was like the best feeling in the world, but I felt so like um, helpless because she was in ICU, she was five weeks premature, um, she's got all these wires and things strapped up to her. It was the best, but like a very worrying feeling because anyone that's ever been in that situation or, or had a child on ice, it's just, it's just a scary place. Very scary. Also, her mum is in an induced coma, so she's not even awake, right? Now they're thinking that the child might have coronavirus as the mum passed it on. 
this, that, and the third. Now, what people have to bear in mind is she was the first woman that was pregnant that had been diagnosed, I say diagnosed, but uh, with coronavirus in the UK. So everything that they're doing is new. They don't, respectfully, they didn't know what they was doing. The first case of a pregnant woman in the UK with coronavirus. Yes. So now, everything's kind of like a freestyle because they don't, there isn't a protocol for what you should do because it hasn't been done before. So now, baby's been born, happy days, yeah, little baby, this and the other, feeding her, cool. But a mum now, they're like, do you know what, we've got to take her into ICU because she's struggling to breathe, we're gonna to have to put her on a ventilator. They were like, all right, no problem. So she's on the ventilator and things aren't progressing. I think that like, they sugarcoated it enough for us to kind of think that things may get better, but they really didn't. They, they actually deteriorated straight away. Yeah, well, they're in, a, they're in a situation that everything, like you said, everything's new. Nobody knows what's going on. Yeah, so she was on a ventilator for uh, eight days. And then I got a phone call in the morning to say, yeah, she, she hasn't made it, she's passed away. Dude. And that was the driving to the hospital when I heard that. I remember just breaking down, man. Seriously, like, I'm not a person that is overly emotional at all. Anyone will tell you. I, I can name two times in my life that I actually remember crying, and that's one of them. And I, I was just like, I can't even, I can't even put into words the feeling. I, it was like, I got to the hospital and it becomes real, like, oh my God, she's actually dead. And I'm, I'm, and I'm looking at the staff and the whole ward and everyone that's there is just thinking, like, this is, this is crazy. Like, this shouldn't happen. Like, what's going on here? And the only way I can describe it is imagine the best feeling in the world, like your child just being born, like, oh my God, it's ecstatic. And then the worst feeling in the world at the exact same time, uh. consistently. So like, I'd look to the left, see my child, I'm happy. I look to the right and I just see her, her mother's deceased. Like, what, what the f So, yeah, I, I was just in, I don't know where was I was. Was it a haze? I mean, it, it, it must have been I, just a fog. I don't know where I was. I, I don't know where I was. I was just like, now what? And yeah, that was a very, very, very harrowing, strange, scary, every negative emotion you could ever think of all in one times a million. Like, yeah. How long were you in that place? Oh, months. It got worse. Okay, yeah, you were in that place for months, but s stuff would have had to kick it. Like, automatically, you'd have had to decide what's happening with my child, what's happening with my deceased co-parent. Yeah and no. I was like, 
I was like a zombie, right? I'm actually like normally quite full of life and quite happy go lucky guy. I was a zombie, like that's I have flat like myself. I was like, what the f do I do now? Like, so what happened was why it got worse after that when I thought it couldn't get any worse was social services came to me and they said so this is like a couple of days afterwards now and uh, the child's ready to go home yeah and they said uh, we can't take it we can't let the child go home with you I said what why they said well we don't actually know if you're the father like, we, actually, we actually don't know who you are Ugh. I was like alright so what do you want me to do? I was like, well, we're going to give the child to the next of kin. And then obviously you're going to have to do a DNA test. And then you're going to have to go and get parental responsibility. Where you and Selena weren't married, there is no automatic parental re- responsibility. And you, you won't go on the birth certificate straight away. I might. Like, cool. Uh, so what happened was... One of her um, family members came and lived in her house. And obviously there's the two other siblings. I was going to say, so the family members come to look after the other two. Yeah, yeah. yeah, And now there's a new baby as well. Now there's a new baby. Plus they've got their own siblings. It was like, they stepped in, they stepped up and stepped in to kind of keep the the family together, right? So what happened was, um, obviously, I we made like arrangements for me to come round and help out where I could and whatever, whatever. But I couldn't, I couldn't take my child. You understand what I'm saying? So it's yeah. like I have to like, I had to set up a schedule of visiting, of of visiting my own child. I don't know what anyone. <laughs> I did it for a while, but then it started to become complicated. Yeah. Because everyone's times coincide with different things. Plus, you have to take into consideration she's got two older sisters. They've lost their mother as well. Yeah. Like, it's it's not just me or my feelings. You have to take into account everyone. And it was a very, very, very um complicated situation for everyone. Yeah. So what happened was after a while, um, obviously social services were still involved and I did the DNA test, obviously it's my child and I couldn't get parental responsibility. It's parental responsibility, yeah. I couldn't get it straight away. What had to happen was I had to go to a court and have a judge sign off the evidence of the DNA test to then give me parental guidance of my own child, which as you know, takes months. Like, it's not like, a, oh, yeah, I'm just going to go and do it. So I couldn't get a birth certificate, I couldn't get a passport, like, all of that. I couldn't get my name on the birth certificate, should I say. Birth certificate, cool. So what happened was um, the other family members also wanted parental guidance for my child. We are so happy to have Tonka as our sponsor this series. Basic Fun's Tonka collection is packed full of fun vehicles for kids who want to get out and get tough with their toys. So dads, you've got no excuse. Grab that Mighty Steel Classic truck. It's time to head to the sandpit for some tough play. 
So you had to go into a custody battle with your child's other half of the family? Basically. So, as you can imagine, that was long. But at the time, I was like, why am I setting up a schedule to go and see my own child? Like, I'm just going to go and take my child. Like, she's mine. Like, there's, there's nothing anywhere. But I didn't know that. Do you know what I'm saying? I actually didn't know that at the time. Because, like, for one, I didn't want to, like, upset everyone else and this, that, and the other. But then I was just like, it's, it's my child. Like, I went back to that same conversation I had with my dad, and I was just like, nah, this, this isn't right. Like, if anything, it should be the other way around. Do you know what I'm saying? So I did what I had to do, innit? I just went and done what I did, and we took it to court. Now, when it comes to court, this, that, and the other, uh, it got to a stage where, obviously, Kafkas get involved. Now, I'll hold my hands up. I haven't been an angel in my past life, right? I haven't been an angel. I've been to prison for a very long time. I did some dumb stuff when I was younger, um, which I was held accountable for, and I put my hands up. Kafkas don't care. They do not give a shit. They're like, well, Mr. Bangura, you've done this, 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 and this. Um, your crimes were drug-related, violence-related. We don't think you're fit to be a father. So, wow. So you're being judged on a person you were years ago. You've, you've turned over a new leaf. You're a new person, but your history and your, your past is coming back to, to, you know, to bite you. 100%. But look, on paper, I get it. Like, yeah, to yeah. be fair, they're doing their job. I understand right. it, but you're going up against the man that's going to fight. And really and truly, if you have, like, I had to prove myself that I don't even actually have to do this, you know? What people have to understand is I could have left my child with the siblings and gone about my life, which I did actually consider a few times. I was like, what? Do you know what I'm saying? But that's just not. Me, do you understand? I did, I chose to do this. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, cut a very long story short. What happened was they eventually pulled out of the court proceedings. Was like, look, F it, do your own thing, and it just crap on. We literally went through all of that for no reason, right? Was there any reason for the change in in heart, change of heart? I don't know. I don't know. I'll be honest with you. Maybe one day, my daughter can ask the other side why. But that's not for So you have no relationship yeah. with them anymore? No, I don't talk to them. Have they... What? Whose side is that? Is that both sides? Is that... Um, well... And I'll tell the truth, right? I'll tell the truth. If someone doesn't send a Christmas card, birthday card text message, hey, how are you? How's things? Um, something as simple as that. Since then, I don't know, I'll leave it to you to decide, isn't it? I'm not going to go out of my way to do it because I'm just not. 
Yeah, yeah. Because you're, I'm not related to you. My child is related to you. So in order for you, that you have to reach me to get through to her. So why don't you do that? Totally. I'll leave the, I'll leave yeah, the question I mean, open. I'll leave the question open, right? It is, no... it is an open question. And yeah? just for me, just for me, have you ever said, oh, she's having, it's her birthday or anything to them? Are you, yeah, you I had said... a birthday party. I, to be fair, I actually invited. Um, that's that's like, exactly what I, I actually wanted, did. I that. Yeah, 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 yeah. You've yeah, invited yeah. them to something and. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, um, her sisters are still, um, like, I, I'm, her sisters are still contactable. Right, so as and when it's not a problem. Like that's you know what I'm saying. They're 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 they're. they're you know what I'm saying I'm I'm older, so I have to take the um the moral high ground and do what's right for my child and her siblings to still have a relationship, which I have no issue with at all. That's sad. It's sad that 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 the family haven't yet, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say haven't yet, because you know people change, times change. Who knows? One of them might listen to this podcast and things might change. But I, it's sad that that they haven't been there because there's a family tie and there's a family connection by blood there that that your daughter may want to explore at some point. So, you know, it's sad that they, they're, they're not there in the interim period, let's say. Yeah, of course. And to be fair, it's not all of them. Like some of them have checked in and some of them have come to see. Okay. And even like some of like her close friends have actually stepped up and gone right now you know what abs like she'd be she'd be listen she'd be telling them the grave if i didn't come and say something for so i actually have to big up a lot of her her, her close peoples that have actually stepped up and gone right you know what right. gee like not everyone it's not all like bad do you know what i'm saying a, a, a good few of them have stepped up and gone does she need anything can i come around can i see her can i take her out for the day this so yeah credit where credit's due do you know what i'm saying but for the situation that I was in with the family members, that that's yeah, like that's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. Totally. There's two big points that I need to touch upon. Uh, one of them is the difficulty you had um, in getting, uh, you know, the the courts to decide that you, as the father, should have parental guidance of your child I mean do you know what too difficult it, would um, it would it have been no, easier no, I, for a mum a mum wouldn't even gone through that right. it wouldn't even got to that stage right right so what I'm trying to say is the reason why I won the case is because the other parties dropped out so really I didn't actually win they just oh. dropped out if it went the full way I don't know. Because yeah. it never happened. Yeah. Do you understand? But obviously, eventually, I, I probably would have won the case, but I, I don't know. It never it happened. Like they you dropped said, out. it would have been a so, long, long old struggle and a long old battle. Yeah. And these things ain't cheap, right? They are not cheap. So, that, that uh, investment in in my daughter could have gone elsewhere right at the time now one thing that i do have to highlight is the generosity of the community you see when people saw the story 
And when people heard what happened, I'm getting goosebumps even talking about it now. People would come to the house with hampers, nappies, food, clothes, books, like left, right and centre every single day. People from the Jewish community, from the Muslim community, the Mormons, the Jehovah's Witnesses, charities. Honestly, they, the community came together and actually made sure that not just my child, but the other children in the household did not go without. And that's one thing I have to highlight and it was a beautiful thing to witness. See, that gives me hope for humanity right there, hearing, hearing that hearing that people who weren't related to you had nothing to do with it were supportive and looking out for you and your family and the people affected by the situation. 100%. That gives me hope. Trust me. Trust me. And yeah, so the whole court thing was, uh, was long. Obviously, I've been to court before for other things and I never wanted to go back through that shit again. And... <laughs> 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 it was stressful. Oh yeah, my god! I thought, like, yeah. So anyone that's going through that, I, I understand, and I get it. And it's just like, yeah, just keep pushing. Yeah, there will be people going through it right now, listening to this. Yeah, stay strong. If if you're doing this for the right reasons, like you were, there there will be an end in sight. The other thing I want to touch upon. I said there was two things. The other thing is for you, there was no hesitation in stepping up to then become a single parent. And we've talked about it for the last 10 minutes or whatever. At no point in your, in your story there, have you even hesitated to be that dad for your parent? And I've got, I've got to commend you for that because I'm sure there were a lot of people that would have been yo, and you mentioned that you thought of it a couple of times that would have dropped the ball and gone, do you know what? I'm off, I'm out. You guys look after the little one, I'm done. Listen, do you know what it was, yeah? And this is the honest truth. When I was going through that the kind of stage where I couldn't see my child, so like I'd go to the house one day and, and no one would answer the door. Like, I was infuriated. Like, I, I think that's one of the most angry I've ever been in my whole life. Like, I felt, I was like, what do you mean I can't see my child? Who can tell me that? It's only the mother of my child that could even tell me that at the time. And she's not here. So who the f*** are you? Honestly, that's when I was like, nah, no one's ever doing this to me again. This is not happening. I was like, no, 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 no. Before that, before that, I'll be honest with you, I held some resentment. I definitely held some resentment because I was like, look, at the time when I found out she was pregnant, I didn't want a child. We worked it out and now you're gone. So now I'm, I'm, I, f I felt at that time I was left in a situation that I, I didn't even want to be in. So I had some resentment, but I had to figure it out. I had to get over that. That's like, that might even be a normal emotion for that situation at that time, right? But I couldn't let that be my main emotion. Like my main emotion had to be, 
Has my child got food? Does she need a cuddle? Has she, does her nappy need changing? What's that little rash on her, on her arm? Have I got to put pre That was more important than the how I'm feeling. It's about how how's the welfare of my child. So that feeling, I can't like as a father yourself, you can't put it into words. You've just you've just explained quintessentially what whether you're a father, a mother, or anything, that is what bleeds into being a parent. It's like there might be other stuff going on. There might be this, there might be that, there might be whatever. You, you know, we have our trials and tribulations, the highs and lows. But the most important thing at any one point in time is your child's welfare. hundred percent. One hundred percent. And I felt like my child's wealth welfare at that time, I could I could have done more to assist it. So I did. And that was it. <laughs> <laughs> the way you said it is beautiful. I could I could So I did. It's beautiful, and that, man. And, and and that is and that is how I got into the position now. After I then took my child and I was in full custody, I was like, what now? <laughs> now it's parenting time. <laughs> yeah. Now you've got to be a parent. So how was that? How was that adjustment? Because you said before, your partner, God rest her soul, she'd done it before. Okay? This is the first time at this radio for you. You've already had like quite the induction. Now you're sitting in a room with your child going, wow, I'm, I'm a daddy now and I'm doing this on my own. Do you know what? And you see that what you just said, that lasts for about 10 seconds, right? Because then you have to do after that. You can have that. You have that thought, you're like, oh my God, yeah, great. Oh my God, I'm a dad. And then, and then they start crying and you're like, uh, all right, cool, rolling out. <laughs> then you have to figure out, okay, cool. They're only crying because one, they're hungry, they've gone to the toilet, or there's crime. <laughs> it's, it, it's one of them ones. Like, if it's not, not, if it's not one of them three things, there is a problem, right? right? Exactly. And I figured that out very quickly. Fortunately, like I said, I have uh, my sisters around me, uh, yeah. my mum's around me. Like, I have good women in my life that have gone. No, look, this is what this is, Here's or this is how you do this, yeah, or yeah, yeah. no, maybe try this. But at the same time, I was very kind of like, I want to do this on my own, yeah. I want to understand how it you. feels. Yeah, I just wanted to. I just wanted to understand how it felt, like just to. I kind of wanted to understand how it felt to struggle with a child. Sounds a bit weird, but like I wanted that feeling so I could then like overcome it. If that made sense. Yeah. Um, Write a passage almost. Yeah. So, also at the time, I'd say about a month, two months into me like being an actual full time dad. I was in the deepest state of depression. Like I was in a real bad place. I was like, cause you got to think she passed away in April. So, so it was locked down in March. She passed away in April. In March, obviously I had my businesses. So I had a healthy food restaurant doing really well. I was doing thousands of that. It was, it was doing really well. It just closed. Cool. Right. I've got, kind of like enough savings to kind of like see me through, but 
they're slowly depleting. Then it got to July. Now in July, there was an announcement that all the gyms are going to reopen. Everyone was like, yeah, woo, the gyms are reopening. Now my stores were inside gyms. So I had a, uh, a deal with Fitness First or DW Fitness First, should I say. But what happened was DW Fitness First went into administration in August. So now... <laughs> Your business has gone from... It's gone from... In four months. And I have a screaming baby. And so I'm like, I've lost all my income. I've lost my child's mother. That's all I've been doing for the last six years since I've been released from prison. Like, I actually, that's all I know. So uh, what the fuck am I going to do now? So I didn't handle it very well. I was stressed. I'll be honest with you. I was, I was sitting in my house with the curtains closed. I'm stressed for you right now listening to it. Seriously. So at that moment in time, I realised that my life can't actually get any worse. Like it's, it is impossible for anything to go worse than it already has. So what happened was, I was, uh, and at the time, I used to smoke loads of weed, right? I was a stoner. And um, I stopped smoking weed. I was like, no, I need, I need, I need to change my lifestyle. I stopped smoking weed and uh, I remember I had this dream, right? And I was in this aircraft hangar and I was with someone. And it was just this mad dream. But a few years before I had this dream, I had an idea and I was like, why can't I just go and sell like an aircraft tire? Like, why, why can't I just go and buy one and sell one? Like, why is that so hard to do? And I was thinking of like Euro car parts, you know, like when your car breaks down, you can just order, I don't know, whatever you need to order when it comes. And I'm like, why don't I just do that for airplanes? The most random fault, honestly, this is about four or five years ago. Anyway, I spoke to someone and the idea was just an idea and it, just, it didn't really, it was just an idea. Anyway, I had this dream, that same person who's my now partner that I had the conversation with was in a dream with me. And I woke up from this dream and I rang him and I was like, bro, remember that uh, idea that I had years ago, yeah? Like, why can't we do that? And he was like, bro, it's so mad you should ring me now. Like, this is the right time. I was just speaking to someone today about how poor the, the, the process is and this, that, and the other. There's a massive niche in the market. Um, the aviation industry at the moment has taken a massive decline because it's, it's locked down. It is just perfect. And I was like, right, let's do it. So I had a new focus. So I sat down. I wrote my goals out. I'd already done this before in business, right? So I'd already, um, I'd already had an idea on paper and brought it to fruition. So I understand the process. And now I sat in a thought. I went so hard before I had my child. Like I actually, I was, I did all right, you know. Now I've got a baby. Oh, the world's my oyster. <laughs> I've got a new fire in my belly now. So then I just made it happen, bro. I just made it happen. And now we're here in the office. Dude, that, there's two things, there's, well, there's, there's one main thing that that highlights, that you're, you're, and the passion, and I can feel the excitement in the way you said it. You, your drive took 
a turbo boost. It went to the next level because you knew you weren't just doing this for you anymore. You were doing it for you and your little one. 100%. One million. There's no better driving force than your child looking at you. It, I, I don't understand someone that can't be motivated by that. That's a parent, sorry, right? Yeah, yeah. I, you have to, if you don't go out and provide, your child is not going to eat. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? So for me, I just snapped out of everything. Like th that was my light bulb moment. I was like, nah, you know what? I'm actually got, I've actually got a lot of like skills and experience and things that I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm sitting here feeling sorry for myself. What am I doing? Ab, snap out of it. Like, cool. It's, you've been depressed for a little while. Yeah, sweet, cool. Now it's time to get to work because you have no money coming in. Obviously during the time, I was still going through a lot of things. I went to yeah. therapy. I sorted myself out. I spoke to people. I kind of started to tell my story along the journey, if it makes sense. Yeah. And I just started to document it in a way where maybe my social media, but like, I just started to just post shit and just like, whatever. And people were like, bro, how, how do you do that? I'm like, I'm not doing nothing that you can't do. Like, I'm not like Superman. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm literally just like, I just got off my ass and changed my focus and just did instead of thinking. And fortunately, things really started to work out. Um, my daughter sees me going to work and I've got her in a routine and um, she's happy, she's healthy and I'm happy and healthy. Yeah. So at this present moment in time, yeah, so things could change, but like, hopefully they only get better. Two things I want to talk about. One, uh, the work-life balance. Because with that much drive and, and a little baby, how do you balance it? Because I'm sure there are going to be people sitting there going, what, how, how do you balance that? How, do, you, do you actually spend time with your daughter? They, they're going to be sitting there saying that. So I, I want to hear how you do. All right, cool. I'll tell you how. I figured out extremely quickly that my life has to work around her, not her life working around me. It is not gonna happen. So what I did was I put her into nursery. Now, in the times where she's at nursery, she goes to nursery from eight till 6 p.m. I've got them hours to do whatever the f is I have to do. It doesn't matter what I've got to do, where I've got to go. I need to be back at 6 p.m. to pick up my child. So we could be out somewhere, I could, when it gets to 4.30, I'm like, listen, I've got to go, you know. I'll just leave. I understand that, like, discipline and routine are so important, um, not only in myself, but in my daughter. So how I manage it is by putting her first and working around it. So when she finishes nursery, we'll walk home, might take her to the park, depends how she's feeling. And I'll spend a good few hours, maybe two to three hours, depending on how tired she is. You know what they're like at nursery, they just they just run around and do mad stuff. But um, I'll make sure that I'm not on my phone. 
I'm just with my child for that two or three hours. Sometimes I might like try and learn something new with her, try and read a book with her, try and teach her a new word or whatever it is I've got to do, I'll make sure I do it within that time. She has a bath, she has a bottle, she goes to bed. That's it, very simple. Babe, that's it, spending the time. It's all about spending the time. And, and you, you've got it organised, you organise the time. And that's, that's, you talk about schedules, you talk about routines. That's the way to make it work, isn't it? With the work-life balance and, and family. It's having those scheduled times and the scheduled, you know, ways of doing things. The other thing I wanted to ask was because you mentioned it, the mental health situation, um, you dealt with it. You said you've been to therapy. There's many men that don't. There's many men that don't go there, scared to go there, scared to admit, you know, no, it's all, I'm all right, I can deal with it. How, what made you comfortable enough to be able to do that? Um, what made me comfortable enough was understanding that I wasn't right. That's what, what made, yeah, yeah. So what made me comfortable enough was understanding that I wasn't right. Understanding the way that I felt wasn't right. Knowing that the thoughts that I'm thinking, and I'm thinking like suicidal thoughts, I'm thinking deep, dark things are not right. I have to do something about it. In that situation, and for anyone that is in that situation, put your pride to the side and talk to someone because you don't understand how much it helps until you do it. And I feel like as men, it's all good to have ego and bravado. Like sometimes it's an advantage, but in that particular situation, put that to the side. You have, and I am one of the most egotistical males you'll meet. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm a Leo, do you understand? So I put my pride to the side. I reached out and I was like, look, I need help. It's one of the best things I ever did. Good for you, man. Good for, for sure. You. Man, it's, yeah, it's just nice to hear someone talk about it that way. It really is. I've got a personal, like, deep question that I want to ask you. Um, okay. Your child's name, for those who are listening, what is it? Love. Where did it come from? Her mum. Her mum uh, had a few names in mind, right? For like, she didn't know if it was going to be a boy or a girl. And that was one of the names, it was love. And it just made sense. So now when she's older, do you know what's mad? Not even when she's older, like, do you know what's mad is like, her name gets used. I don't even know the stat, but it's like probably billion, billions of times a day. Like, so when she's older and she asked me like, why is my name love or what does that mean? I'll be like, look, everyone says your name every day. Like you are the most special person in the world. Like people just like, Look at your name, your name resonates throughout the whole universe, like uh, something along them kind of lines. And I just think it's such a beautiful name. Like it just makes sense. She'll listen to this one day. She'll know exactly why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She'll be like, oh, so that's why you said, ah, yeah, you, ah, that's my daddy. Like. <laughs> For sure. Definitely, definitely. Dude, there is one question that we ask all of our guests that we get on the podcast, and it is this. 
If you could have a dad's superpower, what would it be and why? My dad's superpower would be the ability to turn my child's screams into classical music. Bing! Beethoven. (laughs) (laughs) I'm here for it. I am totally here for it. I've got another one due in November, my third child. And to be able to to do that, to be go, bing, Mozart, Mozart, (laughs) bing, Bach. Just me. (laughs) Oh, that would be like, I'll be like, scream some more. Carry on. (laughs) Yeah, that'd be great. (laughs) Dude, that's a great one. I'm loving that. That's so much fun. This chat has been amazing, dude. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Um, love everything that Dad Vengeance is doing. It represents so much respect for you as well, and your journey and the platform that, you're, that you've given other dads to understand that there is other dads. <laughs> Do you understand? So, um, we are out like there, I man. said, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I'm highly appreciative and respectful for everything that you've done and you've accomplished in, 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 in what you've built as well, man, for sure. We've all got to do this together. We've got to rise together. That's what it's about. Definitely, definitely. Abdul, thank you so much, dude. No problem. Anytime. If you've ever listened to the Dad Vengers podcast before, you'll know that the amount of things we just talked about with Abdul is incredible. What a story. What an introduction to parenthood. Thank you to him for coming here and being on the podcast. So there you go, another episode done. But what did you think of it? We would love to know. Leave us a review or a comment on Apple Podcasts or on social media about this episode or the series as a whole. And don't forget, if you want to be first to hear brand new episodes, make sure you subscribe via your preferred podcast platform. To find out more about Dadvengers, make sure you head to our website, dadvengers.com, where there is information about our live chats, our dad walks, our blog posts, and more. We'll see you soon. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the aging process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford, and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.